Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. Now you might be wondering, what is sevens? Sevens is very simply this. We have not one, not two, not three, but four preachers tonight. Actually, tonight is the best value for money you've ever gotten in church. I know, it's incredible. We're giving you four sermons tonight, and they're going to be much better than they usually are. No, I'm just joking. Uh, my fun road. But, uh, but we're really excited for tonight. We're going to have a bit of fun, and as we get going, I just want to explain to you. Firstly, we are going to be the best and loudest congregation for these preachers tonight. Okay, we are going to make noise when they come up. We're going to make noise while they preach. We're going to make noise after they preach. There's going to be a lot of noise. Can we practice? Are you guys ready? I'm going to count. Oh, I like it. I'll be very responsive in the middle. We're going to get, who guys are going to get? I've got faith. Okay. We're going to count down from three, and I want you to make some noise. Okay. We just a little test run. Okay. Three, two, one. Beautiful. I started being a Mexican way. Got it. Okay. And then, actually, if they make a good point, you are going to give them a huge amen. Okay. Let's hear it. One, two, three. It's going to be power, and then the next person's going to be up after that. Don't get freaked out by the countdown. Actually, we just want to make it a little bit of fun. It's a little bit of a different evening. So tonight I get to introduce our first sevens preacher. Some of you might know him as the only man in the church who can pull off jeans rolled up past the ankle. There's a lot of guys who think they can, but he's the only one who can. You might know him as the husband of one Lee Lovey. You might... Same thing, Different thing, actually. You might uh, know him as the father of Taylor Nova. You might know him as our, our fearless worship leader of worship leaders. Okay? But, but actually, tonight, I get, you guys are going to make a lot of noise because I get to introduce our first preacher for the evening. Everybody, can you welcome for me the Lee Good to know I'm marrying myself. So, um, good evening, everybody. So, today I'm going to be speaking on, you guessed it, worship. It is in Colossians. Um, let's get into it. Colossians 3, verse 16. Let the message of Christ dwell mainly richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. Now, if I had to stop right there, the first thing that comes to my mind when I think of teaching and admonish is Bible college. Somebody coming up and preaching the word. That's the kind of stuff that comes to my mind. I don't know about you guys. But I have to ask you guys, where would you get teaching and that kind of stuff from in the Bible? It's reading the word. It's listening to the guys preaching. And, but the verse doesn't end there. It actually says, Let the message of Christ will make me rich here to teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs of the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in the heart. So actually, 
This is my thought. And I think a lot of us get into this routine or this thinking pattern. Worship is not setting up the platform for the preach. Worship forms part of the preach. Actually, when we worship, we are teaching and admonishing one another in songs, in singing, in songs of the Spirit. Because there's sometimes things, there's, there's sometimes when guys preach, like, uh, maybe, maybe like me, like, those Greek and Hebrew things. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how to say them, what, like, I'm like, whoa. But when Bunty gets up and sings, there's something inside me that's like, yes, yes, praise Jesus. And there's a teaching moment there as well, because there's actually something that lifts my spirit and actually enables my spirit to be prepared for the preach. But it's not a platform, it's actually a teaching of something inside me to get prepared for that. So there's actually teaching in that as well. Obviously, um, as you've heard, I am the father of one Taylor Nova. She's beautiful. She is now, she is now learning um, different songs at school. So she walks around the house doing this. It's a little star. Or the diamond, sorry, the diamond, but she only has the top off. And she walks around the house like this, going, la, 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 la. She has absolutely no idea what she's singing. But her actions are mimicking that of the songs that she is learning at school. And I think if we can be okay to let our kids learn through songs in school what the next step is on their journey in life, we can be okay to learn from songs that we sing at church of what the next step is that will change our actions to mimic what we're singing and who we are singing about. We don't need to wait for the preach to understand who God is and who we need to encounter and who we need to activate in our lives so that we can start acting out who He is. I heard a good saying by a guy named uh, Jaden Chavez, I think is his name. Um, he's Hebrew, yes, no. Um, he's from the States, and he said, he said this, um, this statement. There was somebody in his church who came to him and said, listen, I think we need to do away with the overhead projector. And he was like, what? And he said, people in church need to know what they're singing. They need to come and they need to worship and know what they're singing. Jaden was like, You've never been through anything in your life, have you? And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, you've never been able to walk into church and you have absolutely no strength to sing the songs that you, everybody else is singing, but all you have the strength to do is read the words on the screen and allow the strength of everybody else around you to lift you up and be able to encounter who God is, the reality of Him. And I think when we realize that, that worship is actually a teaching moment to lift our spirits, to do something inside of us so that our hearts are prepared already knowing who He is. So when the seed is sown, the soil is fertile, then actually I think we'll be seeing something so much bigger and so much better in our lives coming from the preaching. The interesting thing is the verse just before this ends with, be thankful. And this verse ends with singing to God with a gratitude in your heart. So this whole concept of us learning and teaching and admonishing one another while we sing has to be wrapped up in a place of gratitude for what the king has already done. We don't teach and sing and admonish one another because of what we've done. Because I promise you, if you guys had to know my mind and this sometimes broken heart that is up here worshiping wouldn't be good. 
But I come knowing who my king is and so grateful for who he is that I'm able to step into the shoes he has given me so that I can worship and teach and admonish in everything that we do. The, the, the songs that, that, that we wrote, so, yeah, a little moment because I have like two minutes, that's fine. But um, that last song that, that, that we sang is a song that I wrote. And it, we sing a lot of songs that I wrote. And I can promise you right now, it's teaching moments even for me writing those songs. Because they're not songs that I write out of a place of going, wow, God, I know everything about you and I'm perfect. Actually, it's out of a place of hurt, brokenness, figuring out who I am, who he is, and am I on solid ground? Am I on him who cannot be shaken? And that's where the songs come out of is a teaching place. And I hope and pray that it teaches other people. Because the biggest, biggest thing of my heart that swells my heart is when I see guys taking pictures of the songs that we sing here, posting on Instagram and saying, I know my God is bigger than it all. I know my King is high above it all. And that's what it's about. It's about those teaching, defining moments of who we are. So can I encourage us that as we sing, can our actions start lining up with who we're singing about and what we are singing about in this kingdom, this great God, this great king that has given his life for us? Can we be the ones walking around this world like this, going, blah, 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 because our actions are lining up with what we are singing about? Is that cool? Cool. Come on, let's make some noise. I like it, I like it. And I think what's so incredible about hearing a word like that from a man like that is that we know he carries it in his heart. He, he lives that out every week on this stage, but also in his own life. So be encouraged by that. And actually, as God speaks through people, I believe he uses people's lives and their preaching and leading gifts to show us a little bit of who he is. And, and so tonight we get to hear different stories and, and he, see different people's lives as they preach and share. So Lee, well done. Next up, we have a very, very special lady. Um, she is, in fact, has attended three churches today. She was at Milnerton this morning. Then all of a sudden, I saw her at Tableview this morning. Can you? I don't know how people do that, but there's instances of teleportation in the Bible, so you never know. And then actually now she's here again. You, it's quite a phenomenal thing. And actually, her surname is not going to be the same for much longer. Her surname is going to be changing very soon um, to Hiduskug, however you say that. Um, but really, really excited. This, this lady that you're about to hear from loves Jesus passionately. He, she serves his church with all of her heart and really, really loves people in an unbelievable way. She's also very stylish. So ladies, if you're looking for any tips, please go chat to her afterwards. Can you help me in introducing the incredible Crystal Funderburg? into it and the scripture that I'm preaching from this evening is Colossians 2 verse 6. It reads, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. There are two big steps that I see Paul calling us to here and the first step is, in my opinion, to trust God. This relates to the first part of the verse, as you therefore have received Christ. Everyone say, trust God by receiving him. Thank you. In order to receive God, it can't just be head knowledge. It has to be something that we receive in our hearts by our faith. 
Um, before I got saved, I, had, I was at a crossroads in my life, and I had to choose between converting to Islam or choosing Jesus. I sat on my bed one evening, and I desperately prayed out to God, asking him to show me who he was and to be real to me in that moment. And he revealed to him, himself to me as Jesus. And um, I had to trust God in that moment and receive him by faith. After I made that choice, I knew the road ahead was going to be tough. Choosing Jesus meant I had to let go of the life that I knew and the choices that I had been bound to before, my anxiety, um, being in a sexual relationship, I had to choose to be celibate afterwards, um, and saying goodbye to someone that I dearly loved. So receiving Jesus meant I had to trust him through my trials. A general misconception when we get saved or in Christianity is that everything's going to be hunky-dory and that we don't, um, we don't have any trials in our lives. And James says in James, verse one to two, James 1, verse 2 to 3, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Our lives will never be void of pain or suffering, but James promises that us in that verse, that when we choose to, through trials, focus on God and who he is and allow him to cement our faith, it beautifully cements that and produces a trust in God who is with us in both the highs and the lows. Part of my new journey in Christ was to learn to trust him by knowing him. The verse says, I have received Christ Jesus the Lord. Knowing him meant I had to know that he is Lord. I had to learn that this meant that he was Lord above everything in my life. That means that my feelings had to submit to him. Um, I had to trust that he was sovereign and that he had all authority and power over my life and that I had to trust him as Lord. Trusting God required me to step out though. And this brings me to my second step where Paul calls us to obey God and relates to the second part of the verse, so walk in him. Everyone say, obey God by walking in him. Thank you. So it, walking to me is an action. It's, it's an outworking of my faith. In order to align my life to God's will, I embarked on this faith journey. And it meant I had to obey him by being influenced by him. Everyone say, being influenced by him. He, has to affect, he had to affect every single part of my life, um, change who I am, change the way I think, the way I felt, um, the way I did things. And the wonderful thing is he didn't leave me high and dry trying to figure this out on my own. He, I was able to obey God through his assistance. Everyone say, through his assistance. I am a control freak by nature. Ask my fiance over there. <laughs> And so this was and still is the most difficult thing and part of the process that I have to outwork in my life. I knew that I had to humble myself before God, relinquish all control and any ideas I had before over to him so that I could fully rely on who he is and what he does best, that is being God. My entire life changed direction when I got saved. My purpose became his purpose. I started obeying him for his glory. Everyone say, for his glory. My life was no longer centered by me. It was centered by God. And my future now became one that would entail me being conformed to the likeness of Jesus Christ, bringing glory to God. A verse that I think we all know very well 
and which I think rounds up Paul's um, call to action here is Proverbs 3 verse 5 to 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own understanding. In all your ways know him and he will make your path straight. So by faith we receive God and we trust God and we trust him to walk through us, walk us through our trials. We trust him to know that he is going to be with us through the highs and the lows and we learn to know who he is by understanding that he is Lord over everything. We obey him by being influenced by him, by humbling ourselves and submitting our lives to him to bring glory to his name. So this evening, I just want to implore you guys, it's been a faith journey for me to learn to trust and obey him. And it's been um, different in every circumstance. I, I find myself having to redo it over and over again, learning to trust him and obey him. And it's just about knowing that he is Lord and he is sovereign and that everything, everything submits to who he is. And when I submit to his will and his alignment of my path, he makes my path straight. Thank you. I think we learned two very important things there. Firstly, we need to trust Jesus. And secondly, Michael, you need to ask Crystal for help next time you preach. Got it. Good. Um, but really amazing. Christy, well done. We, we love that. Can we give her another round of applause? I felt like that was so encouraging, so well prepared. You can really, even as you were speaking, we could feel that you had prepared and, and really put effort and energy into that. So thank you for serving us well. Um, tonight we, we have our third speaker. Now this man, they call him the teeth technician um, in some parts of Cape Town. If you've ever been on his social media, he has more photographs of people's mouths than anyone else on Instagram, which are, I mean, you can do with whatever you like. Um, he also is often known as the most popular man in Life Changes. There you go. There's your water. Um, he's known as the most popular man in Life Changes. Also probably runs the largest young adult home group, not only in Cape Town, but in the world. Um, and, and he recently had a haircut, which is very sad to many people. Um, but tonight I want to introduce a man that is filled with faith, who loves Jesus, who loves people passionately, who loves God's Word, and actually has a radical testimony of God breaking into his life. So ladies and gentlemen, can you assist me in introducing this evening the one, the only, Oli Ninpaninga! Okay, good evening, life changes. So as Tyler said, my name is Ollie, and I'm just going to get stuck in because I really want to share what uh, God's placed on my heart. Um, so the verse that God highlighted to me was actually the same verse from the beginning of the series, and that's uh, Colossians 3 verse 2, and it says, uh, set your minds on things above and not on earthly things. And uh, I study dentistry, so the way I study, I really like enjoying the logic behind it. And I was just asking God, why would Paul write this in the Bible? And I really felt like he was saying it's so important to set your mind on things above. Because if you don't, our earthly default will be to set our minds on earthly things. And that's just, yeah, I can speak from, from experience. Um, another thing I love about the scripture is that uh, Paul starts with a, a verb. And that actually shows that he's speaking in a commanding tone. You will know that if you love someone and you know something's good for them, you'll instruct them to do something. And the verb that he uses is set. And this word can be associated with, um, with to dwell on or to ponder on uh, things above. And um, 
I just love that Paul justifies why it's so important. He, further on in the letter, uh, in verse 5, he, he says, he lists the earthly nature that we have. And he says, uh, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. And um, another aspect I love of this pondering on things above is that even when we don't want to, we have to. We have to do it. Um, and I can justify this by a unique illustration God gave me about sport. And um, you'll see the significance later, where actually during sport, in your weekdays, you're practicing, you're doing your drills, you're doing your exercises, all for preparation of the inevitable upcoming opponent on the weekend. In the same breath, when we keep bringing our minds into the state of thinking of things above, it's so important because when they're inevitable, any situation that is going to come your way, you need to know the way to handle it. And when you practice it, it becomes second nature. You know your identity, and you know that you're fighting in victory, um, which is so important for us. Um, yeah, I just want to speak about my own experience quickly. Last year was my third year studying dentistry, and um, I was writing exams, and I was very anxious. And uh, to the extent where I didn't want to go into the, the lecture venue to write, I was just so, so frightened. And um, I was really wrestling with Scripture because I know that there's breakthrough in any circumstance with God, and I know that it's not from Him. So um, I just stumbled up, uh, across this verse, Philippians 4, and I really think it can help us tonight with what you're battling with. It says, finally, brothers and sisters, this is also Paul writing, he says, whatever is, uh, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, and then this is the significance of the sport. He says, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. And I just felt like God really wanted me to share this with you tonight because if you've been told a lie or any false statement, Paul gives us this amazing instruction that we should focus on things that are true and noble and all the things listed in the scripture. And he gives us this promise that the God of peace will be with us, which is so good. In my closing, I just want to say, um, I was thinking about things generally, about things that are in heaven and things that are on earth. And the biggest juxtaposition, which is like a comparison between the two is our cultural setting in society and the salvation of Jesus, where in society you have to work for every single thing that you're going to receive. And in some instances that is so true, but with regards to the salvation that Jesus has for us, that's completely um, different. And uh, I want to say that God's love is uh, pursuing, and that pursuing love is never-ending and it's unfailing, and His grace is free of charge. In chapter 1 of Colossians, Paul writes that um, we were once alienated from God and that we were enemies in our minds because of our evil behavior. And I want to say that when you choose Jesus as your Lord and Savior and um, you believe that he came down from the cross to die for all our sins, we're not alienated. We adopted children into his family. Um, and for when we set our minds on this one thing, we, we know our identity in Christ, and that, that cannot be replaced by anything else. Um, I also love that in the Bible it says, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. 
And the Bible actually says after that, that that faith is a gift from God. And you know that if you go to a birthday party, you know, you're going to give someone a gift even if they deserve it or not. And that's the same with us. Christ gives us this gift of faith to believe um, even though we don't deserve it, actually. Um, and I just want to end off by reading these lyrics. Uh, it's from the song, As You Find Me. It says, And I know I don't deserve this kind of love. Somehow this kind of love is who you are. It's a grace I could never add up to be somebody you still want, but somehow you love me as you find me. Amen. Come on. Amazing. Come on, let's make some noise. I don't know many men who can wear a jersey and suit pants, so that was power just from that perspective. Um, but really amazing. Well done, Ollie. We're uh, challenged by that. An incredible, um, you know, you've got a gift to, to dig into God's Word. So keep doing that. Keep pressing into that space. Our final speaker this evening is often known as the pastor of Life Changes. Um, she, she doesn't drink coffee to fuel her. No, she, she just drinks warm water and has more energy than any of us. Um, and tonight she's going to be sharing, and I, I just want to say of this incredible lady, just before she gets up, she is a lady who has so much time and energy for people, it's unbelievable. She has energy and time to sit with countless, countless people. I hear of, of so many young ladies, older ladies in our community who are going through challenges, and the next thing I always hear is, Mariette's meeting with him. Mariette's connecting with him. Mariette's, and then when you talk to her about those meetings, about when she's been with people, she'll just say this. She said, no, I just took them to this scripture. I just took them to this part of God's word. She loves the word of God. She loves people. So can you help me in introducing our final speaker for this evening, Mariette, the pastor, Richards. What an amazing privilege it is to be able to stand here tonight. And the scripture that I would like to share with you is Colossians 1.27. And it reads like this. To the Lord's people, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles, that's us if we're not Jewish, the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And that is what I'm going to be focusing on tonight. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And we're going to hopefully be saying, Christ in me, the hope of glory. Now, you might not be feeling so hopeful tonight. You might not be feeling and you're constantly struggling. You might, in actual fact, not even be sure if you're a Christian. But you might be sure that you're a Christian. You just come because you love to be amongst the, the Christians, the people singing and being joyful and happy. But whatever it is, when Christ is in you, we can look forward to sharing in his glory. We can have hope. Now, what does glory mean? Glory means everything that is in him. Excellence. His excellence. That is glory. And that is what we are sharing in if we have received the gift of salvation. Now, the one point that I want to mention, and even Ollie was talking about it just now, is our identity. We need to know our identity in him. We need to know who Jesus is. And the word says, if we want to know who the Father is, then we need to know who Jesus is. Because it says the way to the Father is through Jesus Christ. Jesus died for us. He, he gave us the chance so that we could become 
God's um, saving people, he gave us a chance for us to make right with God, our creator, through his grace and his mercy. Now, Satan doesn't like this. He really doesn't. So he comes against mankind. He uses strategies like lies and disappointments and distractions, and he causes a lot of confusion. And even when we've decided to follow Jesus, he still would try to use distractions and disappointments so that he can keep us off check. So what do we do about that? We need to know what our identity in Christ is. So I would like to just read what Romans 8, 14 to 17 tells us. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you do not live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about adoption. And Ali also mentioned adoption. We are adopted. If we are Christians, we are adopted. We are chosen, chosen by him. And by him, we can say, Abba, Father. Then we can say, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. We're no longer just his created human beings. We are his children. And now if we are children, then we are heirs. We've got an inheritance, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. But now this is important because it says, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may share in his glory, in his excellence. And Paul knew this very well. He wrote in Colossians, he was in prison, and we've many times mentioned this. He was in prison. He was sharing in the sufferings because he was persecuted. And, um, but he knew how to handle this because he knew his identity. He knew who Christ was. He knew who he was in Christ. And then there's another scripture out of Romans 8 is, and if the spirit of him, and it's number 11 in Romans 8, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. His spirit lives in us. So we could say, so tell your neighbor, Christ in me, the hope of glory. Tell your neighbor, Christ in me, the hope of glory. So then why do we continue struggling with depression and anxiety and disappointments? We struggle with that. Could it be because we don't know our identity in Christ? Could it be that we don't really believe what the word of God says? Could it be that we don't really know who our Father is? Could it be any of those? Well, maybe the answer is that we need to renew our minds. And what do we renew our minds with? With the Word of God. We need not society's words, but the Word of God. We need to renew our minds. There is a myth that God helps those who help themselves. It's a myth, actually, because God actually helps those who are at the end of themselves. So when you get to the end of yourself, that is when God says, here I am for you. I want you to surrender. Come to me. I can do it all for you. Now, I just want to tell you that when I grew up, I was one of five, five number five of eight children, and I had an incredibly poor self-image. I struggled. I was a little girl who couldn't manage anything. I couldn't get things done, and people needed to help me. 
So what did I have to do in my 20s when I gave my life to Jesus Christ? It didn't all change everything straight away. I actually had to reprogram my mind. I had to find out where my identity was. I was still finding my identity in all sorts of things, in my husband. My identity was in my husband. And Christ said, no, it can't be. Your identity must be in me. So how do we do this? We need to believe that Christ lives in me and what that means. And I just want to give you a quick exercise of something that Wally actually gave us before he, before Mark and Candace took over, he preached a sermon. And he said, why don't you just write down the alphabet, A, B, C, D, E, right to the end. And every time you find something about God and his character, put it in there and then start worshiping and telling him how wonderful he is, how supreme he is under the S, how faithful he is under the F, etc." And right believing turns into right living, not the other way around. Right believing turns into right living, not right living and then believing. So, and if we start doing these things diligently, we will be able to say like Paul, Christ in me, the hope of glory. We've got seven seconds. Say to your neighbor, Christ in me, the hope of glory. And once again, one second to go, Christ in me. The hope of glory. Hallelujah. That was amazing. Let's make some more noise. That was incredible. And one last time. Christ in me, the hope of glory. I like it. There we go. Some people have even got actions. I like it. It's from Kids Church. Um, what an amazing evening. I think what I love about Sevens, even hearing them this morning and then going into this evening, is actually these aren't just... Uh, people who have come up to preach. No, these are people who are living real lives, who are in love with Jesus, who have seen His face and have decided to step out in radical ways. And I think what I find so beautiful about these moments where we get young men to stand up and preach the Word of God and, and different people to preach and show us what God's doing in their life is it, is it draws me closer to Jesus. I find this desire to draw nearer to God. I find this desire to, to draw closer to His Word. Why? Because actually it's this beautiful picture of Jesus in every single one of these people's lives.